Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of knowing who your kids are around and knowing their friendships, their influences, and other people that are pouring into your kids. In the last several episodes, we've been talking about how to talk to your kids about sex, social media, pornography, and really keeping those lines of communication open so that you can have these ongoing conversations. And I think one thing to really think about is we can really do a good job of setting our kids up for success and having these conversations and preparing them. We have to know that we can't be with them all the time. And so really looking at who are they around, who is influencing them, and knowing their friendships, and other people that are pouring into your kids. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, we'd love for you to hop on over to our Facebook group and join us over there. We post there when we have new episodes. We'll ask questions. We'll do different polls. And you can feel free to ask us any questions. Or if you have a topic you want us to talk about, then you can let us know in that Facebook group. All right, let's jump into today's episode. We're actually going to have our last episode be the last one we're going to be doing on kids for a little bit. But then I had seen a TikTok video and I'd sent it over to Ruth. And the basic gist behind the video was the guy was saying, man, every single kid who I've seen who is like a good kid and then went wrong, they essentially had bad friends. And those bad friends ended up pulling them down to a bad place. And his main thesis behind this was, I would even pick up and move if I had to, to get them away from bad friends in order to protect them because he saw it as such a vital importance to keep his kids from associating with other unhealthy kids who might draw his kids down that unhealthy path with them. Now, I do think there's a lot more that goes into it. It's not the only reason why good kids might start to struggle, but I do think it is a major factor behind that. One of the things that's important to understand is the power of association is really gigantic. So the more you associate with people, it affects all kinds of things about you. It affects how you think. It affects a lot about how you behave. It can influence your politics. It can even influence your financial success later in life. Now, one of the things that I think is important to emphasize is that your kids being around the right friends is not the be-all, end-all, or being around the right people is not the be-all, end-all in order to ensure that they are successful. It is a very important facet, however, that can set them up for success and help them to press in a healthier direction long-term in life. Oh, for sure. And when you look at people who are 
coming back from rehab or are trying to get sober, they talk a lot about what environment are you going to go back into because it really does influence your decisions. And you could have a strong determination and really good motives and really desire something. But then if you're around people who don't have that same goal or even more so are against what you're trying to do, that influence is strong. And so they always talk about how important it is to make sure that you have an environment that is conducive to helping you stay sober or to reach your goals. And so that video about he would even move to protect his kids from certain friendships may seem really extreme to a lot of us, and probably most of us wouldn't do that. But I think it does speak to the point of how important it is to protect your kids from certain influences. And we're not naive in thinking that we're going to shelter them and they're not going to have contact with anyone bad. That's not our thought process at all. But we're talking about your inner circle and who your friends are, not just around and in contact with, but the people whose voices are loudest to them and the people that they truly care about their opinions, good or bad. And one of the important things to know is that the quality of your child's friendships, and not just your child's, but your own, the quality of those relationships is much more important than the quantity. So having really good, tight-knit, close group of friends or family that you can really trust that kind of aligns with your beliefs and can encourage you to continue down the path that you view as right is extremely important towards staying consistent. And so it's not to say that you shouldn't allow your kids to have any friends who aren't perfectly behaved children, but the ones that they spend the most time with, that they engage into with the most activities, those are the ones that are particularly important to make sure that they are good influences. And if they have a rough kid who is one of their best friends and they're hanging out with them all the time, the probability that they're going to be influenced towards bad behavior dramatically increases. So human beings have these things called mirror neurons. And a mirror neuron is something that fires when you observe a behavior or something when you do a behavior. And when we observe a behavior, these neurons are firing off in our brain. And we have a tendency to then start slowly shifting towards or modeling that behavior that we had observed. It's a way we can pick up skills without having necessarily done it ourselves. But then it's a way we can pick up behaviors or beliefs without them having originally been a part of our thought process or mindset. And so when you're around things, the more things that you are observing, the more your brain is absorbing these things and the more likely it is then to influence how you think or behave. And I was just having this conversation with a group of friends and a group of other moms where we were talking about as Christians, Jesus wasn't just around those who are holy. In fact, he sought out those who were sick and in need. And so as moms, we were talking about just that balance of serving and being in the community around other kids who maybe we don't necessarily have the same beliefs and then preparing them for those interactions. But like Tim was saying, those close friends that they're the most connected with, that's important to have people who have the same values, the same goals. And Jesus ministered to a lot of people and then he had his 12 and then he had his inner circle. And I was also just talking to my kids about this because of that conversation we had the, with the parents. Then we were talking to the kids because they were the ones that noticed, hey, when we go to this specific event, these kids do things that I don't agree with. And this is my children talking. 
that they don't agree with, things that they feel uncomfortable around and acting and behaving in ways that they don't necessarily like. And so we had the same conversation about the yoke of oxen. And in the Bible, it talks about do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And a lot of times that's applied to dating or marriage. But I was also talking to them about friendships, how when you're yoked together with another oxen, whichever is the stronger one, that's where they'll lead the other one. And there might be other definitions or meanings to that verse, but when I was trying to apply it with my kids, we were talking about that yoke of oxen and how important in friendships it is to, yes, minister to others and love others and show them the love of Christ, but also to be very careful with who you're yoked up with, with where your friendships are pulling you. Are you the one leading and you're pulling them? And then we talked about also in friendships being able to influence others. And so that was just to kind of help them understand that even though we have good intentions, the influence of others can pull us in directions that in the long run we don't want to go. And I think this is easy when you conceptualize it this way. Just think about your life and think about doing good behaviors versus bad behaviors. And one of the things that is almost a universal rule is that bad behaviors are almost always easier now, but harder later. And good behaviors are almost always hard now, but easier later. And so if you're hanging out with somebody who's regularly choosing bad behaviors and you're trying to choose good behaviors, the probability that you will draw somebody towards good behaviors who's doing regular bad behaviors is not as likely as the fact that you'd be more drawn towards their bad behaviors because, again, they're generally easier up front. And we like instant gratification and we want to pay off now. And bad behaviors normally do have a payoff now, but then they have a long-term consequence that oftentimes comes with that. Going back to the example you were using with the yoke of oxen, right? If you have one that has an easier path to tread or is stronger, it's going to pull that weaker oxen along. Those better but more difficult behaviors, it requires a lot more effort and oftentimes more support in order to follow through on them. Just think if you're trying to diet or you're trying to lose weight or something like that, it's much harder to do it by yourself or exercise. It's much harder to do those things by yourself. But if you have a group or accountability group that keeps you engaged or is talking about it regularly or the food choices that they are making, then it affects how you think and behave around that. You're much less likely to give yourself an exception. And a part of the reason why is because you're thinking about what are they going to think? All right, well, I agreed I'd do this diet with them. And then now I want to kind of cheat, but we're at lunch together. And okay, now I don't now I don't want to cheat. Maybe we'll get a salad instead. And so having those people who are like-minded and have a similar goal and are moving towards it helps give you a certain level of accountability. The opposite is true. Someone doing a bad behavior almost gives you permission to do that bad behavior and follow along with it. And this expands out to other influences, knowing their influences in popular culture. What are they listening to? What are they watching? But also the adults in their lives, whether it's family or friends or other community things that you're involved with, really watching what are those people speaking into your life? What are they saying? And although they're going to be exposed to many different people where we don't necessarily have as much choice in the matter or we've chosen, you know what, this relationship is important enough that we're still going to stay around and we're still going to be around them, but they're going to be exposed to things, then what I would say is just make sure that you are having conversations with them, preparing them ahead of time or 
after the fact, having conversations about maybe conversations that came up that you didn't agree with or if they have questions that they want to ask you. Because even though we're in a group of people, sometimes silence on a matter shows that you agree with it. Or at least sometimes it can be taken that way. Not always, but if there's something that truly was said or you don't agree with, you want to make sure that you're addressing that with your children. So another thing that can be affected by the people that we surround ourselves with is our mental health. If you're around somebody who's regularly anxious in social conflict all the time or regularly depressed, that can affect your own mental health and affects the way that you then talk. Because again, if you're around somebody who's depressed, they might be identifying or viewing things always in a negative way. And then even though you haven't had the same experiences that might have led them to depression, you then start adopting their language. You start speaking the way that they think, or you start being overly negative about things. And then slowly over time, one of the things we always say at the end of our episode is our mind is a powerful thing. You can work at convincing your mind to be depressed by talking negatively about things or focusing heavily on negative things. And then that can affect yours, but also your child's mental health if one of their main social influences are kids who are struggling with something like that as well. And I can even see this just hour by hour when we have a session and I'm talking to someone who is really anxious. I can even see that influence on me where they're starting to talk really fast and they're telling me all the problems and the things that happen and they're getting riled up. And so as I'm responding, I'm talking a little quicker and I, you know, make sure that my point is made and all of that. But I can see even in the cadence that I have and my posture where I'm sitting forward and I'm listening to them where those mirror neurons are working and I'm trying to be cognizant of it and aware of it. But your kids are going to be less aware of it, but that influence is still there. And then sometimes I'll do the opposite in a session where they're getting really riled up and if I'm making sure that I am on track, then I will purposely slow down my talk I'll have pauses to make sure that they're having some time to slow down. I'll think through things and then I'll share it because it works in that same way where hopefully they can see that and mirror that. And so it is so interesting just how our environment and the people around us really do impact us, whether we're aware of it or not. And when we're talking about mood, it's that same idea when you walk into the room and everything is kind of gloomy it's easy to kind of just fit in and go along with that. Or if you walk into a room of people who are uplifting and encouraging and talking about their spouses positively versus having that kind of water cooler talk where you're just standing around the water cooler talking negatively about your spouse, it's then easy to join in that way. And I'm sure you know that when you're around certain people, you feel uplifted and encouraged. And when you're around other people, you leave feeling just drained. And so think about what kind of people are you around? What kind of people do you surround your family with? What kind of people do you surround your kids with? And remember, these kids are entrusted to you. You have every right to make decisions that are right for your family, whether or not other people agree with it. And you have to be unapologetic about the choices that you're making for your family in order to protect them. And just like Ruth was saying, one of the things we've been focusing on is your children's friends, but also your friends or relatives who are regularly around your kids and understanding that if they have somewhat of a toxic personality or they are exhibiting or expressing very unhealthy behaviors, knowing that 
it's not something that's going to fly over your child's head. They're going to still be integrating and absorbing some of that information. And so being careful or cognizant of who am I bringing around my children with my friendships or with my extended family relationships, am I exposing them to regular unhealthy activity? Now, again, we're not saying you should never be around people who are unhealthy in some way, shape, or form. But if they are a regular or constant influence, it enhances the probability that it's going to cause some problem down the line. I know sometimes people will say, but I'm teaching my kids to be a light in the world and to change the atmosphere around them. And that's great. That is definitely something that we want. We want them to be prepared and to make a difference in the world. But my six-year-old is not ready for that. My 10-year-old still needs guidance on that. And so I don't want to put them in the middle of a situation and expect them to change it all. I want to surround them with people that are going to encourage them and challenge them and push them and teach them things that we also agree with and we want them to learn so that when they are in a situation where that happens, they have more tools and they're prepared for that. But I'm not going to purposely put them in the situation when they're not prepared and hope that they're the one that's making the difference. So as we end for today, we want you guys just to really stop and consider, not to be fearful, but stop and consider, who are the people who have the most influence on my child's life? And are these people who I want my kids to mirror? Or are these people who I don't want my kids to mirror? And if they're people that you don't want your kids to mirror, it's not necessarily that you have to cut off contact or you have to pick up and move or something like that. But you need to work at minimizing the influence or minimizing the amount of time or access that they have to your children. While your kids are growing up, even all the way up to 25, their brain is still developing. And as your brain develops, the thought processes, the belief systems that you have when you're younger get really installed as you grow and as your brain continues to solidify all the way up to 25. So there's so much work that you can do to make sure that they're having a lot of good inputs. And then that really sets them up for success later in life. And so as much as you can, increase the positive inputs and minimize the negative inputs. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.